For the fourth Sunday in a row, we come back to Calvary this morning. Calvary, where the Savior died and where our salvation was born. Where Jesus prayed on a cross while the mob around him cursed and cursed him. Where God's Son was forsaken that we might never be forsaken, where our hope is anchored for both time and for eternity, Christ on the cross. He had spoken on behalf of others. He prayed for his persecutors, those who had crucified him. He prayed for the dying man, the thief who repented and promised him life. He prayed excuse me, made provisions for Mary, the mother of his flesh. Several hours had passed, and then we enter into the time where the scripture says, from noon until three o'clock that afternoon, there was complete darkness over the face of the earth. Now, when God says complete darkness, he's not talking about some clouds moving in and suddenly the sunlight isn't so bright. The scripture goes to lengths to help us understand that it was complete darkness, the total absence of light. I've been there only once and never intend on going back there again to visit in a cave in North Alabama. And while we were in there, the young lady decided she would turn off the lights in that cave. And there was total darkness. I said, ma'am, if you don't mind, if you'd just turn that switch back on, I'd appreciate it. And she obliged as she laughed. But I want to remind you that when the scripture says that there was total darkness God did something that has never been done before nor since, that the earth was covered with darkness, and Jesus could not even be seen, for no man could look upon what he became on the cross as he became our sins. Hiding the form of the Son of God from the eyes of men and women. Now in the midst of his suffering... He is forsaken by God the Father. Hard for us to fathom, almost impossible for us to understand the cry that he makes out of the total darkness is what we look at today. There's never been a statement spoken that was full of such anguish before nor since has there been one spoken with such anguish. We can't fully understand, though we try and we think about it and we even cry as we think about it and and our hearts fail us as we want to try to imagine that. But we cannot understand this. Instead, we have learned that it is ours to adore him and to praise him and to worship him through the things we cannot understand but walk by faith trusting him for what he's done for us. 
In Matthew chapter 27, as we continue today, verses 45 and 46, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the very Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, forsaken by the Father. We can't fully understand what took place in this hour. We can't comprehend what took place during this awful time of his suffering and anguish and pain and now the separation from the Father. Some will say that Jesus is speaking, speaking symbolically only and not literally that he and the Father are inseparable, that their relationship could never be broken because he is God in the flesh, that he only felt, listen to mankind explain this, he only felt emotionally forsaken. Sounds like a psychiatrist wrote that. But the scripture is plain. Jesus said, my God, I want to remind you that before this, he had called him the Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And his, his final words from the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But when he took on the sins of the whole world, when he became sin for us, the one who knew no sin, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God abhors sin. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made him to become sin for us who knew no sin. That Jesus became our sin on the cross. You see, sin is the very opposite of God's nature and God's character. For John says in his first epistle that in him there is no darkness at all. There's no sin at all. He is perfect in every way, holy in every way, light in every way. There is no darkness in him at all. God abhors, hates, despises sin and refuses to fellowship with sin. That's the reason someone who has not been saved cannot know the fellowship with God, cannot know the fellowship through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through his suffering on the cross, his death, his separation from the Father, his taking on our sins and becoming our sins and dying for us and us trusting in that finished work of Jesus that we even have the privilege to come into the presence of God in fellowship, in prayer, and with communion with him, it is only provided through the suffering and the death of Jesus who took all of our sins upon himself that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God will have no part in sin. The Father broke fellowship with Jesus. 
as Jesus became our sin, became that which God hates and God refuses to fellowship with. You see, God has already sentenced sin to death as its wages. Romans says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. He has passed judgment on all sin that it must be put to death. He is not only a holy God without sin, but he is a just God, and he requires that sin be paid for in order that it may be taken away. You see, when Jesus became our sin, the Father's flawless character made it absolutely impossible that he fellowship with him, and it was necessary for him to forsake his son becoming our sin and turn his back on him and let him die alone. Alone. The father actually turned his back on his son. In Habakkuk, you read, you are of pure eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Isaiah 53, 6 says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of the chastisement for that of us all. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he made him to become sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I remind you, God will not fellowship with sin. In him there is no darkness, there is no sin, and he will not fellowship. The only reason, I think I mentioned this a minute ago, the only reason you have the privilege to fellowship with the Father is because you have believed on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ who became your sin and went through your forsakenness and my forsakenness that we might have fellowship in Jesus with the Father. When Jesus said this on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He is actually quoting scripture. He's quoting the 22nd Psalm, verse 1. And the psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then answers that in verse 3, the psalmist says, for you are holy. For you are holy. Holy. That is why the darkness, for God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And when God removes himself from the presence of that scene at the cross, when God turns his back and forsakes his son, who has now become our sin, he's become all of our ugliness, all of our perversion, all of our evil. He has become that on the cross, and the Father being holy and without sin will not fellowship with that sin, and he turns his back from the Son and lets him take on the payment of sin for the entire human race. Has that arrested your attention? 
that Jesus, the holy, pure, righteous, virgin-born, sent from heaven, Son of the holy God, became all of our filthiness, all of our evil thoughts, all of our actions, all of our deceit, all of our sin. He became that on the cross and died that we might know forgiveness, that we might fellowship with a righteous God. See, that's the reason for the darkness. God is light. Darkness, the absence of light. Many years ago, I was pastoring in another area of the state. And I had a man who had lost his son who declared to me, I don't believe for one minute what you say about the father left his son alone forsaken on the cross. He said, I had a son that died. And I don't believe that he was alone for one second he was saved. He was a Christian. And I don't believe for one second he was alone, but that the Father was tenderly loving him and caring for him through his death. To which I replied, Sir, you're exactly right. And the only way your son could know the presence of a holy God is his death. Is because his son suffered the separation that your son should have suffered like you and like me. But in his forgiveness, God led him through. That's the reason the psalmist could write, David, in the 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with you see, for the Christian, for those who have been born again, for those who have received God's forgiveness in Christ Jesus, when we walk through death experience, when we have finished the life here and our body no longer breathes in air, there's no more life to be seen or experienced. At that moment, he is there leading us through that experience of death, into his presence. He never, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How could he say that? Because he took all of the forsakenness upon himself on the cross of Calvary. He paid that price. He experienced what fallen mankind would have to experience and still has to experience outside of Christ. But for those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that debt has been satisfied. He paid for our sins, became our sins, that we would not have to know the separation from the Father. We would have not, have, not have to know that we, had to, we wouldn't have to walk through that and, and suffer such horror and awfulness and separation. But we know because of what Jesus experienced on the cross, we not only have life, but we have his presence 
all through this life, even through our death and into eternity. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says it this way. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive now together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of ordinance which was against us, and he has taken it out of the way, listen, by nailing it to his cross. Wow. Everything that stood between us and a holy God, all of our unrighteousness, all of our sinfulness was a handwriting against us. The ordinances of God we have broken, the laws of God, the rules of God. Every one of us have broken those rules. Every one of us is with sin. There is not one without sin. But you see, when Jesus went to the cross, he took all of that sin. And the scripture says, having nailed it to his cross, and you bear it no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for the cross. Jesus suffered that death for us. A spiritual death. You see, the absence of God is spiritual death. And Jesus experienced that awful spiritual death on the cross that is exemplified by the darkness testifying of the absence of the presence of God. You see, all men die physically. Matter of fact, two other men died on the cross on either side of him that day. One new mercy. One experience what Jesus told him. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That, that man forgiven, forgiven because of the price that Jesus paid, was ushered right into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus took him with him to paradise that very day. But on the other cross is a sinner who blasphemed Jesus and made fun of him. And he says, if you're really who you say you are, why don't you save me too, us too, along with yourself and get yourself down on the cross. But the only way the thief that was repentant could be removed from the experience of spiritually dying for eternity was to trust in the work of Jesus on the center cross that he took his place. And because of that, he was given eternal life. You see, his death was the death of the Lamb of God, sinless and perfect. His shed blood washes away every sin, as we just sang a few minutes ago. There is more. When Jesus cried out as a forsaken of the Father, he was suffering that spiritual death that we may have spiritual life. He took our place. Remember the darkness. Hear the cry. Separated from the Father. Now that spiritual death. Pronounced in the Garden of Eden, the day that you sin, you will surely die. 
in that one sin, all of sin, and the wages of sin is death. You see, this gives us some insight into dying spiritually. This helps us better understand the eternal nature of our new life in Christ. If Jesus, if Jesus, who knew the end of the story, to cry out, to cry out in such anguish and pain that day, there is no way for saved humanity to survive such forsakenness. No. Jesus did it for you and for me. You see, because he died, there's no eternal suffering for our sins. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our judgment fell on him. Our death fell on him. He not only became our sins, he took the penalty, the payment of our sins upon himself. Remind you that down in Egypt, a lamb without spot or blemish was to be brought to the altar and killed. The blood was to be taken and spread on the doorpost and lintel of every Israelite's home. For God says, I'm coming through Egypt tonight and taking the life of every firstborn. But when I See the blood, I will pass over you. You see, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins have been cleansed, not by your, your decision, I just get do away with my sins. No, they are cleansed through the shedding of the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. You're forgiven. You pass from judgment into life. And you have eternal life in Christ Jesus. On Calvary, the Lamb of God was slain. He gave His blood as an offering for our sins. And when we accept His forgiveness through the shedding of His blood, the judgment of God passes over. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The cross is the central focus of all of Christianity. What he did on the cross is our central focus of where we find our forgiveness. And when we see that he became our sin and suffered the separation that we were sentenced to suffer, separation from a holy God, we realize that our life, our life, our eternal life, is because of the 
price he paid for us. I'm so thankful. I stand before you and before a holy God today, not as someone who deserves life, not as someone who, for, who deserves heaven, not as someone who deserves a relationship with the holy God, but as one who is a sinner who has been saved by his marvelous grace through the price that his son paid on the Calvary, on Calvary for me, that I could have that experience of forgiveness and life. If you're saved today, if you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say hallelujah. I'm telling you, hallelujah. He's satisfied it. He's satisfied it. All of the gloom and all that I shared with you is truth on the cross. That's what he took for us. That we could pass from that death into life everlasting. Woo, why would we not praise him? Why would we not serve him and thank him? Why would we not tell somebody else what Jesus has done for all of us? Father, in this time, we give you glory and praise. We give you thanksgiving But Lord, what you ask for is our obedience. May we leave this place today with our resolve being that we're going to walk in obedience. None of us are perfect. None of us have been totally obedient. But Lord, may it be the desire of our hearts to walk in obedience to your will. Help us to walk in an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of praise, and Lord, with an attitude of wonder, overwhelmed with wonder that you gave yourself for us on the cross. Lord, help us to be faithful in every way. Lord, if there's someone in this room today who has never experienced the forgiveness of sin, who's never come to the place of receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior and praying for your forgiveness and thanking you for the price that you paid and confessing you as Lord and Savior, may this be the very hour, Lord, that they would do that. I pray for victory today. I pray for those who have never put their faith in you to trust you totally today and for your children to be resolved to walk faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen.